past 50 years have seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes towards female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child-free. We're here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings. Welcome to another episode of Not Just Sleeping In. I'm Lee. And I'm Tiger. And each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, we're talking child-free queers. There's a big overlap in the child-free community and the queer community, and the former has a lot to learn about finding your tribe from the latter. But first, Lee, how late did you sleep in this week? Oh man, not too late. Um, I feel like I I feel the uh, impending return to work. I'm starting to get in a couple phone calls about projects and things. And so as my body fears the initial, you know, 3.30, 4 a.m. alarm times that are coming imminently, uh, I've been very regularly just 8.30. Like, no alarm. My body just slaps me in the face and says, all right, get up, do something with yourself. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, okay. Um, regardless if I go to bed early, if I go to bed late, and late being like, you know, single digits in the a.m., well past the witching hour. Um, yeah, uh, 8.30, doesn't matter. I'm awake. So it's been interesting. Uh, how about you, Tiger? I slept until 10 a.m. on a weekday because my boss rescheduled our morning check-in. <laughs> and I'm Fantastic. still working from home. <laughs> Amazing. What a joy. What an absolute joy. <laughs> Because again, uh, and like this uh, is why I use a fake name. It has nothing to do with my child face. Woo! <laughs> 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 yep. Uh, bless. Um, what a wonderful <laughs> and and not wearing pants. You know. I usually wear pants, but I have a lot of animals, and I don't need their snoots in in places. <laughs> no hashtag no snoots and poots. That's what we're talking about this week. No. Never do it. You keep teasing this like weird animal episode, and I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, it's true. Instead, I think, which funny too is you're the one that suggested it because like I hate the conflation of like my child free status with my like obsessed with animals identity. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what this is about, though. Truly, it's no, not. it's not. A uh, lot to dig into. Yeah. Today, it's actually about, as I said, child free queers, or the commonalities between the child-free community and the queer community. Uh, I think, I think in terms of like deviating from the life script in terms of gender and sexual norms and mores, I would say being child-free is actually kind of a queer choice. And I don't want to assign that label across the board. Cause that's obviously something people need to kind of identify with on their own and stuff. But it's like a, for me, like my queer identity and my child free identity probably intersect the most. And I think that there's also kind of some general overlap in the two communities. And I think before we get into the personal nitty gritty stuff. Um, sure. I think the big concept, one of the biggest things I think we can take away as child free people from the what something we can learn from the queer community is um, the idea of found family. 
It's an incredibly, oh, sure. it's an incredibly queer concept. And I think it's something that's really been kind of embraced and put forward by the queer community. Um, yeah. And I don't just mean like Friendsgiving. I mean like finding your tribe. The whole, the whole tribe. Yeah. Like, the, like needing, needing to find an alternate support system because right. the world is not set up for you. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting because I, I agree. There's a lot of commonality there. And in my own journey towards a queer identity found, um, a lot of commonality in the kind of coming out narrative in the idea of like, I don't want your life script you know, I remember very much waking up in a cold sweat um, at Bible college um, from my worst nightmare, which was, you know, being a pastor at a small uh, Midwestern church, you know, with, uh, you know, a very boring wife and several progeny and me not really caring for any of them or the situation I was in or the place where I was living. And I was just like, whoa, I got to get out of here. I got to find my people. I've got to find the priorities of my life. And I don't think it's any of that because that it deep in my heart feels very weird and wrong. And there has to be other people that feel this way too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think for me, both of them are kind of identities that I've carried around very innately from a very young age, uh, mm-hmm. but that I've kind of kept secret. The The child-free identity was much less secret than kind of this queer identity, but I kind of, like, I've always known both have existed, and it's mm. only kind of now that I've been able to really kind of come out and embrace both with yeah. a lot of joy and fervor. But yeah, I do think that concept of found family is something that kind of actually led us to this podcast, right? We wanted to build a space where people could, I mean, I think this idea of safe space is really important, right? This place where you can be who you are without judgment, right? And that's something the queer community has always really done a great job of establishing are safe spaces for people who are different, right? And spaces where you can be who you are without judgment. And I think that that's um, kind of what we were hoping to do with this podcast, you know, to have these discussions that are maybe really uncomfortable in a mainstream concept context where it's like we can kind of say what's on our minds and not be like, ew, gross, you're a savage, you know? <laughs> but yeah, but maybe it's a lot of savage. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting because I think that as far as roadmaps and setting up um, examples there's still because it's a lot of things again that i think we carry around with us innately and it takes a long time to break out of the gravitation of those like well-worn paths and i think that um who you're attracted to romantically and sexually has a tendency to pop up in a in a in a timeline a little bit sooner for most people. I mean, not all, I mean, some of us are completely the other way around, but for most people earlier than the child free thing, which is we've talked ad nauseum about gets tied up with a lot of like, Oh, when you find the right person, when you settle down, when you're blah, 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 all the usual bullshit. Um, but a lot of people 
don't necessarily until they hit that 30 plus mark really kind of lock into the idea of, oh, no, I'm really not going to do this. And I think that, um, yeah, some of those queer spaces are kind of pre-set up because I think a lot of us find ourselves losing people, right? Yes. As, uh, you know, and all of a sudden there's no community around us where, you know, the commonality is with the queer space, like that sometimes they've already been pre-set up for not living the same life path necessarily. Yeah. I think, I mean, one, it's a lot harder if you're in a same-sex relationship or a poly relationship to kind of have a kid, right? Um, so whether whether that is a biological kid or whether it's even harder, it's it's sadly still harder for gay people to adopt, you know? Crazy. And, and it's like, it, and if you are even, if you're off the gender binary, if you're you know, if your sexual expression deviates from even the most basic understanding of like gay or straight, right? It's, I mean, it's just that much harder. So I think that there's definitely kind of an inherent child-free streak in the queer community. Hopefully, like maybe someday that'll change. And like, that would be awesome kind of if it did. (laughs) But I also think that like, I think that, you know, being child-free is so tied up in sex and gender that I think there's always going to be that sort of intermingling of the queer community and the child-free community. Yeah. And, you know, uh, again, as the, as the dice get reshuffled, as uh, things kind of are constantly moving, you know, there's such a, a very odd um, fear by a lot of people about labels and identities. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of, very interesting overlap and there's a lot of bit very interesting designation between like the queer space being inherently child free largely from the fact that like unless they kidnap a child in the night like how do you get one you know if surrogacy and adoption aren't things but now for almost eight years we it's legal it's encouraged and you know they're reshuffling as well so i think it's very interesting you know for a lot of people to kind of really gut check those identities and see where they are and and kind of find those communities and i think that the openness and the constant kind of push forward towards acceptance and equability inherent in kind of a lot of the queer struggles of the 20th century and beyond that um, fosters a space where you can really shake a bunch of things up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's exactly it. It's they're They've also, they're better at having this conversation of like finding value in a child-free life and validating a child-free life because it is just part of kind of the intersectionality that's required, I think, when you're in the queer community. So, I don't know. It's really interesting. Um, And it's something that I've taken a lot of comfort in. And it's also, I think on a personal level, um, being child-free kind of allows you to explore queerness in certain ways. At least for for me, like, my child-free identity has allowed me the space to experiment with gender and 
in ways that like I think would be harder to do if I were a mom. <laughs> yeah. I th- or if that was a path that I was choosing because there is it's easier to deviate from the script when you've already deviated once, <laughs> you know? And sure. and for me that's been like really fascinating especially as I have reached my 30s and have been pretty staunchly child-free. Um you know, I've always kind of known I was attracted to people across the gender spectrum, but it's only lately that I've been kind of toying around with gender. Like, if I'm not a mom, like, what does it mean to be a woman? And how do I get to define that? And does it, like, do I have to define myself as woman all the time? I mean, like, yes, sure, I can, but I don't have to. And that's okay. Like, there's no, there's a little bit more freedom to be able to do that, I think. Or it's already stuff that's in my head, you know, cause we so often conflate maternity and femininity. And it's like by removing one aspect of that, it allows me to question the other and play with it a little bit more and find more freedom in it. I don't know. Like what's, yeah. what's your experience? I, I, without, I mean, and if you don't want to get too personal, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, cause this is like a huge thing and this is, it's weird and it's hard to talk about in a public space, yeah. but it also is kind of freeing to say, like... Sure. Yeah, like... No, like, secret code names activate. Um, no, it's... It, it's interesting because, you know, um, a lot of the structural coding around, um, you know, monogamy and is for the intent of having children, right? A lot of, it's like, we got to organize this. We got to line it up. Who has, you know, who's, you know, mom and dad have some kids. They have kids. They have kids. Like we got to, or who's responsible for who, who's getting the money when you're dead. These are all very important things to somebody. Um, and yeah, as you start to kind of peel away at that, um, it's a lot, easier easier to kind of find yourself looking into those spaces or exploring things that you had maybe clung desperately uh, to some concept of heterosexuality because you thought that maybe that's where you were going or that's where you wanted to go. And it's funny to me, there's always this idea, like from the jump, Kinsey's like one through seven, like that's not even an even it's not even one through ten, right? There's like a very odd number. I think it's of, actually isn't it actually zero through six? Oh yeah, zero through six. Yeah, there's seven yeah. integers, but zero through six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of like you got seven choices. And then I think that the way that that gets interpreted most in society is like you're a zero or you're gay. Like, you're a zero or you're queer. And it's infinitely more complex than that. And I would love to see um, kind of a reexamination of things across not only um, kind of sexual, but also romantic. Yes, because that's a huge thing that's been so fascinating to discover. Like, I'm... Yeah, I... Like, yeah, like, cause 
I'll have sex me, with more. I'll have sex with more people than I'll date. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. Um, and also, like, you find a partner, and I think for for one of the things for me, there was always this fear in coupling and marriage of like fucking it up, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to do this right, or I'm going to find someone attractive, and then like the worst thing you could ever do is be attracted or have sexual contact with someone outside of the confines of that pairing. And then like your entire life falls apart, right? That's the lifetime movie, right? Yeah. That's the, the church split nightmare, immediate divorce, no questions asked. And, you know, as you start to have conversations as you're coupling and, you know, when you've already kind of jumped the great divide of like, well, I'm, not having children one partner or the other kind of brings that up i do not want them i do not desire them uh then you're kind of like all right well now that we got the checklist out let's kind of really pick this apart you know let's kind of really dig in and like what do we want and what space is there to uh engage and explore in other parts of our identities um both gender identity and um sexually and for me like i as much as i may find the odd one uh physically attractive i don't like dudes i i I don't tend to enjoy their company other than very specific ones i've never felt like a particularly um traditionally well-performing one you know yeah like i do not want to watch the footballs sir sorry um, I do not have opinions about um, natural versus synthetic oil in my car. Uh, but again, see, I do. <laughs> see, you, you very much do. And I, to please, be fair, I opted out of oil those. altogether because I'm all about the electric car. Like, Mama, sure. li- Mama likes her Save torque. The world. No, Mama likes her torque. <laughs> <laughs> Mama likes her torque. I love it. Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it opens up space to kind of define that. And I think that. There, I would love to to see folks be profoundly honest about what those identities really are, particularly as people who I think sometimes don't wake up from that life script until kind of much later in life. There was an, a really interesting article that my partner shared with me about um, like women who had been married who's either got divorced or their husbands passed away and then at that point exclusively dated women like the rest of their lives I and it's know just like so many people like that it's yeah. wild <laughs> and i think some of that is just with um with a certain amount of age and a certain amount of experience that you um you know it's like oh you changed and it's like i don't know if i changed i i think parts of this were always present parts of it were always there you know, inertly or less than inertly, but it's about willingness to kind of accept that, you know, and to incorporate it fully into, um, an identity. I mean, we see kind of all the time of kind of the, it's almost a joke, the conservative leader, pastor, politician, who's like on rentboy.com or something. And it's like, well, maybe you're just bisexual. Yeah. Maybe if you had been honest about it, you could have found a way to do this in a in a way that's like safe and okay. Not that not that yeah. 
Not that soliciting sex workers is the not safe and not okay part. It's the lying. I just want to make that clear. Right. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> just want to make that very clear. But yeah. And I, I think too, like being able to have that sexual ethics discussion with your partner in a way that feels a little bit more organic and safe. One of the things, like, especially as a cis woman or a female presenting person um, is like in a relationship, there's these gender roles. And I'm not just talking about like cooking and cars, you know, but um, who does the emotional labor, right? Sure. And not having children and redefining family and emotional connection um, allows you to be equitable, not just in the division of physical labor, but in emotional labor. That's something my husband and I have really... um, it's something that's been really freeing for, I think, in this relationship for both of us is like yeah. better better dividing that emotional labor so that we're both caring for one another and like doing that heavy lifting and and also like kind of reaching out to the world on each other's behalf, you know? Sure. And And like doing, you're able to communicate in such a way where you're not doing what anybody should but you're doing what you're best at. You're doing what you're the most kind of competently prepared for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everybody wins, turns out. Like, yeah. And if you're, if you're honest about yourself and you know yourself and you have open conversations, you know, and I think a lot of the, the inherent, um, not like insert tab A into slot B of the queer community, I think opens up from the jump, like, all right, who wants what, who's doing what, how, how do you see yourself? How do I see myself? And like, how does this work? And I think that like everybody should be having those conversations. Yeah. There's just a lot of shit that goes assumed, and, you know. And having the roadmap to have those conversations and not make those assumptions is so important. And I know it's something that the queer community has had to fight really hard for. Sure. But it's also something that I really appreciate because it has provided, um, hopefully, as we progress as a society, it's less of a fight for people who are younger than us, you know, because we have provided a good example. But yeah, I think it's, it's been really, it's really interesting because once you've had that initial conversation of like, I'm not that into kids, like what does family mean to you? What does our relationship then mean if it's not about procreating, you know, especially because my husband and I are in a, a heterosexual relationship, you know, it's like, I mean, there's, more than that but <laughs> right. it's it's not wholly like monogamous or whatever but it's like what is the point of our marriage then and getting to kind of redefine and decide that and like I mean, I mean the big question was like do we even get married you know but yeah. and it's like but like being able to have that discussion without it being oh well you don't value me because it doesn't fall under the life script but getting to have it in like really practical safe terms is is incredible right and and addressing kind of what your your wants and needs and desires are very honestly with each other and like um you know it's 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 very interesting to me that like for a very long time that the marriage relationship was the very practical one and the like the uh the side piece was the fun love one yeah. for a long time 
And that was just assumed. Like, that was just the, like, marry the person you have to and then find someone to fuck on the side. And we all just are going to accept that this is a part of life because they're like, that's a lot of pressure to put on one person. Yeah. And then at some point, we've just really narrowed the definition of that. Um, but do you find is, is sometimes, um, you know, as we both said, that there's a, uh, a hetero, like I'm a cis hetero passing married man um, with a, a much more kind of exploring and complicated, you know, both bisexual and child-free in- inclinations that lead me to feel a lot of commonality with the queer space. But do you ever find yourself, I know I struggle with, the idea of not feeling like I fully belong sometimes, of, of questioning, as much as, as much as I know that there's commonality there, I've always feel like I'm... There's still that struggle, I think, a lot for um, bisexual legitimacy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. at this point, it's it's funny because, yeah, all the time. And it's weird because, like, on paper, I've had, well, not on paper, but, like, I've had sex with more women than men. Sure. <laughs> well done. High fives all around. Like, that's the thing, though. Like, I've dated and had sex with more women than men. I wound up married to a man whom I'm crazy about, but, like, we have a very, I mean, it's, but because it's not, like, we're not, like, super public about, kind of, the ways in which our relationship is very queer, um, yeah, it's, like, really easy, you know, we're this, we're we're very, like, wholesome presenting, like, young married couple, and there is, like, this sort of imposter syndrome, where it's, like, I know I fit it, like, on paper I fit in, but like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's always tough. And that's why I was, I was like, honestly kind of scared to have this conversation, but I also feel like it's, I feel like it's important because it is like, it's something that's definitely on my mind a lot and informs how I live my day-to-day life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, because I still have occasional kind of trepidations of, you know, occasionally, well, I was invited over to meet the partner uh, of a dear friend, and their home is considered very much a, like, no cishet men allowed space. And for a lot of reasons. There are a lot of people... Um, who are transitioning. There are a lot of people who have had a, are coming from a lot of negative experience there. And like, even though I find this great sense of commonality, there's still this part of me that's like, from the way I look on the outside, you know, and the way I present, I would rather, you know, and I've come around to it more to the point where now that, you know, the second or third invite, I think I'll feel more comfortable. But at first it was like, you know, my friend's like, oh, you're fine. You're good. And it's like, I haven't actually met the partner yet. And I'm just like, I don't want to go rolling in there and really kind of kick things over, even though I think that I do have a lot of commonality with 
the folks in that space. But like I look and present, you know, differently. I don't know. It's it's definitely a struggle for me. I, I even will, and we're, you know, however many episodes um, into this podcast, and I still am kind of searching for those bona fides sometimes in the child-free community when, like, really the barrier for entry is very low. <laughs> like, And I think we've, we've talked about this not on the podcast, but in life, and I think... Often the trouble is defining difference by struggle. Sure. And I, I don't like there's so much joy as well that needs to be acknowledged in these differences and in queer spaces, right? Like, yes, queer spaces are meant to be safe and they're meant to be havens, but they're also meant to be celebratory spaces. And I think that's true of child free spaces, too. Like, I think often it's a place where we can vent frustration and there can be a lot of like anger and and frustration and stuff but there's also a lot of joy you know like getting to celebrate how late you sleep in or getting to (laughs) celebrate the fact that you're not bound by traditional gender roles or parenting so you can explore your sexuality and your gender in ways that are really unique and meaningful and special and that's not to say that people who are parents don't get to do that but we have the freedom to do that without without nearly as many like eyes on us you know or those expectations that come with being a parent. Right. That gets lobbied at the at anyone who is going through very similar identity questions uh, by anyone from, you know, a parent or a coworker is always like, well, what about your kids? How do you explain this to your kids? You know, how does that even work? I mean, I, I, I struggle with, you know, um, kind of laying out a queer identity to other people sometimes, or even like, do they need to understand it fully when I've got a wedding ring on and they're just like, I know you're a partner there, you know, by outwardly, mostly, uh, femme presenting like, so what do you mean? You're not, <laughs> what do you mean? You're other like, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of guilt that's thrown at a lot of people wrongly as soon as there are, you know, younger people involved um, which is that have so, to understand that as well. Which is so frustrating because it's like, take advantage of the fact that they're young and non-judgmental and teach them stuff before it started to harden into, sure. uh, you know, and, and like that's that's for me the thing. It's like, how do I explain this to the kids? Well, that's the joy. You get to figure it out. Like as a parent... Yeah. That's what your responsibility is. My responsibility is to live my life and my truth so that they see that there's lots of different ways to be a human in this world. And yeah. if that means being married to a dude and boning ladies on the side and sometimes presenting like super boyish and sometimes presenting really high femme, then like, awesome. I'm glad your little nugget gets to see that. Because guess what? I'm a happy person. You know? <laughs> it's like... Yeah, because deep down at the end of the night, I I go to bed feeling pretty good about the choices I've made in the life I'm living. Yeah. And I think that's and the it's thing. A... It's like, it can feel isolating, I think, sometimes. Like, that's the point of the podcast, is like being child-free can feel really isolating. And sometimes being queer, but like presenting 
straight and not fitting in either space can be really isolating. And it's like, are you happy? And if so, like that should be like center that, like center that contentment, you know? And if you're not happy, like explore that and play with that. But like the discomfort should never be the center of the narrative, you know? Yeah. And sadly, I feel like for a lot of people, that's it. And a lot of people, I think the same, like, well, well-worn ruts that kind of pull people towards societal expectation um, can kind of suck us both in, you know, mm-hmm. queer folks and child-free folks. The life script and, current uh, is strong and we're constantly paddling yeah, against it. Paddling, yeah. You know, at a certain point, I think it helps more to like be someone's life raft than to be struggling, you know, like splashing in their face, you know? Yeah. It's not the best metaphor I've come up with, but. (laughs) I love it. Let's go tubing, Tiger. That's what we really want is like a, is just a big gay tubing trip. God, I'd love it. Well, when this chaos is over, come visit me in the south with the myriad rivers and we'll just be we'll just go on a big gay tubing adventure (laughs) delightful (laughs) absolutely delightful i'm so here for that yeah um is there anything else you kind of want to add i feel like this is i feel like we're reaching the end and I feel like this is going to spawn like a hundred more episodes, which is oh, how sure. I feel after I mean, every episode. Right. I mean, cause there's also kink and that's a whole other thing that's separate, but enmeshed in a lot of it. And yeah, uh, you know, and always, um, wanting to respect the folks that have blaze trails before us and all of these various endeavors you know, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it, the time is now to open it up to all of you as we, uh, as we stand as a life raft in the river. Uh, what are your stories? What are your struggles? How do you feel? Yeah. Are you, you know? are you queer? Are you child free? Are you both? Are you neither? If so, welcome. And like, what? <laughs> but regardless, we really want to hear from you. Um, yeah. How, Tell us your story and tell us kind of how you found your roadmap living a queer, unconventional, non-life scripty life. Um, reach out at questions at notjustsleepingin.com. And until next week, I'm Tiger. And I'm Lee. Spread your love. Live your damn truth. And of course, have, have fun, fun sleeping, sleeping in. in.